get organized here. <clears throat> and uh, the verse today that I picked is 1 Timothy 3.16. 3, verse as well. Uh, you know, it's, you know, Sunday mornings are great. It's time to get refreshment from God's Word. And, uh, you know, um, fellowship, and uh, just, just a nice time to decompress. And, and I always wonder, how far do you get throughout when you go back into the week before you're, you're just down by uh, controversy, by arguments and strife, reports on the economy and the crisis at the border, and just all the things that are going on in the middle, all the social ills, just drugs. Trying to bring you down. But unless you isolate yourself from all forms of social media, it's easy to get pulled down. It's easy to get uh, just drowning. You feel like you're drowning. So this morning I've chosen this passage that starts out without controversy. So that should be exciting. Unless you, uh, another way of saying this though is without argument or dispute. Uh, by consent of all or confessedly. So, in that vein, could I ask you all to stand and let's read this together. <clears throat> First Timothy 3.16 And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Let's pray. Lord God, we just pause before we um, look into your word. Lord, we ask for insight. We ask for understanding. We ask, Lord, that you would give us all something that we can take from here that will help us to live more li uh, live a life that's more um, godly, live a life that's more pleasing to you, Lord, help us to, to be stable in your word and understand who we are. And it's, we, give all, we attribute all these things to your precious son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. amen. Thank you. You can be seated. <clears throat> As I was preparing this message, I realized that the subject really is surrounded by controversy. In fact, you won't hear many people talk about this verse because it is somewhat hard to understand, and it is the, um, the subject of controversy. There, it, there's a lot of uh, discussion about it. That really should excite you, because that means there's something there that God wants to have. Whenever you see something um, shrouded or, or um, pushed aside, there's a reason why it's in the Word of God. Um, about me. So the first contention in this verse is the word God. Now, I spoke on this several years ago, and uh, it was before I really understood the rightly dividing issue. And, um, you know, my background, I, I do have a, a degree, a Bible degree from Southwest Baptist University and uh, Redford School of Theology, which was 
a good, good uh, endeavor. You know, I learned a lot, but I, I got the traditional evangelical approach, the Acts 2 approach. And um, um, all those years that I spent uh, learning God's Word and understanding God's Word, not so much academically, just on my own, there were all these things that didn't add up, didn't fit. And uh, it wasn't until I asked the Lord to, to show me, I said, God, I need wisdom. And it was at that point, several years ago, that God started showing me the rightly dividing principles. And it's after so many years of things not meshing, it's just exciting to see God's Word come together. So now I have an opportunity to speak on this passage again. And um, I think in some ways you can't separate Christ from his body. But this passage here, the word God, first of all, the first uh, controversy is the word God, and, and you may know that only in the King James Bible does it use the word God was manifest in the flesh. Um, all the other modern translations use the word he who was manifested in the flesh. Um, and I, I believe this was an early attack on the deity of Christ because so what if he was manifested in the flesh? You're manifested in the flesh. But this specifically says that God was manifest in the flesh. And that's an amazing thing to know and to understand from God's Word. However, I believe that this really isn't about the incarnation. I believe that this is, that's a distraction from what the Lord would have us understand in this passage. Now, very seldom would I want to diminish Christ. In fact, I've never diminished Christ, but as you will see, you can't separate Christ from his body. So the and that's the second controversy about this passage. Is it a reference to the incarnation or is it a reference to the body of Christ? So I'm going to time and there's going to be a lot of scriptures and like I said this kind of turned into a Bible study. I hope you don't mind. But to understand this verse it, it, it is imperative to understand the unique and distinct calling and the commission of the apostle Paul. Paul is the last apostle to see the Lord the apostle to the Gentiles. He was given the dispensation of the grace of God. I have uh, references for these, but um, uh, Paul, a minister of Christ he, as a, and a steward of the mysteries of God. And it's only in, the, in the Paul's epistles that we read about the, uh, the body of Christ. So Colossians 1, 24 to 27 is pretty pivotal. And I'm going to be throwing a lot of scriptures out there, so uh, I'll read this. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and to fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh. Paul, the first member of the body of Christ, for his body's sake, which is Christ, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hidden from the ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'll read one more, Ephesians 3, 4 to 6. Whereby, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, Paul, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, but as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body, 
and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. The the body of doctrine that was given to Paul can be summed up in a term called the mystery. Now there's there's seven there's seven aspects of the mystery mentioned in Pauline epistles, but it, it all falls under the body of doctrine referred to as the I'll just read those quickly. <clears throat> uh, the first one is the blindness and the setting aside of Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. That's a mystery. The mystery of the rapture is our resurrection the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 15. There's the mystery of his will in Ephesians 1.9. Ephesians 3 and Colossians 4 is the mystery of Christ. Ephesians 3.6, there's a reference to the great mystery. That's the body of Christ. And that's our subject today. 6.9 is the mystery of the gospel. And then Thessalonians 2.7 is the mystery of iniquity. All of these mysteries of the mystery. Whenever Paul's talking about it, you can think about all of these things. Now some people and, and um, confuse the subject by whenever they come across, oh there's many mysteries and uh, is it okay, can you hear me? There, there's, there's many mysteries and it, 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 they actually don't address any of them and, they, and, they, and of course they end up missing and that is that Revelation that was hidden in God um, from the foundation, from, from the beginning of the world. It was hidden in God and, and not revealed until Paul. Um, <clears throat> uh, 1 Timothy 3.9 earlier in this same passage it says, the mystery of faith and a pure conscience. Again, uh, the faith when Timothy is speaking is Where should, where should I put it? In my front pocket? Is that better? Is that better? Okay, sorry about that. I was getting some looks, I'm like, well. <clears throat> okay, hopefully that's better. We don't need any more distractions, right? Uh, 1 Timothy 1, 10 and 11 says, Sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. Again, if you don't recognize the distinct ministry given to Paul, you will miss this. And, and you would be surprised at how many organizations and churches and denominations diminish the Apostle Paul. In fact, slanderously they will say, well, you, you elevate Paul or you, you worship Paul. Well, that's not true at all. Um, Paul is the least of the Apostles. But we magnify his office. We recognize that in a similar way that Moses was entrusted with the dispensation of the law, Paul was trusted with the dispensation of the grace of God. And that is what has been going on for the last 2,000 years. And to miss that puts you in the category of someone who is working outside of the mystery of God's will, uh, which is pretty serious. And if you think the, the, the weight of denominations and the weight of those who claim to be of the Lord are functioning in that capacity outside of the, God, of the will of God because they're part of a denomination that God warns us not to be part of and that is ignorant brethren. So th that means that you're ignorant of the, uh, you're wise in your own conceits is, is the result of that. And, and really that describes many of those who are in the mainline denominations 
who ignore and they resist this teaching because of their own traditions. <clears throat> That's no accident, and, and it's not really men that are doing that. We know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in, in, in high places, and that's where the battle is. <clears throat> so, so I believe that the mystery of godliness in our passage today is not about the incarnation or the first coming of Christ. It's, it's not about his second coming but it's in the future, but it's a reference to the, the body of Christ. It's his being manifest in the flesh today during the dispensation of the grace of God. And there's a number of reasons why. First, the word mystery. The definition of, the, of mystery is a secret. In 1 Corinthians 2.7, it says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So the mystery is hidden wisdom, hidden knowledge. And another reason is Christ was not a mystery. Christ is the subject of prophecy. Christ, is, Christ said, in fact, search the scriptures for they testify of me. Another thing is the incarnation was not a mystery. It's the subject of prophecy also. It was first, first spoken of in Genesis 3.15 uh, in, in the garden and God said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and be between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. A reference to the, to the, the, the Savior. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Matthew 1, 20 to 23, but while he thought on these things, behold, Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take up thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all the might be the Lord by the prophet, saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, being interpreted God with us. Secondly, the reason I think this is referring to the body of Christ is that the order of the events are wrong. As we read in the passage, um, manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed up on the world, received up into glory. That order of events does not really fit, and here's why. <clears throat> the the uh, incarnation, from the time that Jesus was made manifest in the flesh, the incarnation, and he was received up into the glory, and we know that didn't happen. <clears throat> During Jesus' ministry, Matthew 10, 5, these 12 Jesus sent forth go not into the city of the Samaritans to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and you know that really never changed throughout Jesus' whole ministry and it really didn't change further on as we'll see here uh, after the death, burial and resurrection 40 days later in Acts 1, 8 and 9 uh, that's the account where Jesus says they were, he was talking to them and um, 
And when he had spoke these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received them out of their, out of their sight. That's the point when he was received up into glory. Um, so between that time, there was no speaking to the Gentiles. In fact, even eight to ten years later in Acts 10, uh, Peter said, you know that how it's an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come into another nation. Um, three to four years later after that in Antioch, uh, still there was no preaching to the Gentiles. Um, now they which were scattered abroad after the persecution that arose uh, about Stephen traveled as far as Phenis, Cyprus, Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. <clears throat> so a third reason um, is that this is about the body of Christ, is the very context of 1 Timothy. The whole book of 1 Timothy, if you read, are instructions um, about the church. Uh, a couple verses earlier, uh, ahead of this, 14 and 15, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how that thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. That's the whole context of 1 Timothy. It's talking about our conduct in the church, how Timothy was supposed to um, function. So the last, lastly, the term great mystery. It's only used here and in Ephesians 5.32. And for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. They too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Ephesians 1 said, 3, 1 says, um, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made unto, known unto me the mystery, as I wrote in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. You have the, the, the great mystery is specifically referring to the body of Christ. And we'll see that the mystery of godliness is directly connected to us, members of his body. So there's six components of, of the mystery of godliness. One is that God was manifest in the flesh. And I'm going to give you some scriptures that point out how this could be talking about us, how it is talking about us. 2 Corinthians 14, always bearing about in and that the life also of Jesus in our body. <clears throat> for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, um, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. So here you see a reference of um, God manifesting the flesh. It says right there, even in our mortal bodies, uh, the life of Jesus. The next verse is really pivotal, Colossians 1, 24 to 27. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hidden from ages and generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known 
What is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory? The next um, uh, aspect is justified in the Spirit. Now, you know, there are people who take these, every one of these aspects of the mystery of godliness and they try to find verses how it's talking about Jesus. But, you know, Jesus was the sinless Son of God. Um, he was de- declared at his baptism at, and at certain points in his life, but that's not the same thing. This says justified, which means to be declared righteous. And we know Jesus knew no sin. He was the perfect sinless Lamb of God who came into the world to become sin for us. The justified in the Spirit, as I'm going to give you a couple uh, passages here, and you'll see how that is a reference to us. Romans 3, 24 to 26, referring to us, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be the just, be just in the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Now look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, drunkards, or revilers, or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Does that not describe to be justified in the Spirit, to be declared righteous? Um, There's more. Let me skip up here. The next one is scene of angels. <clears throat> and as the body of Christ, we are a spectacle. The arena is the world, and that's where we live. Um, but we're, we, uh, 1 Corinthians 4.9 says, For I think that God hath set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels, spiritual realm, and to men, fleshly realm. Ephesians 3, 9 and 10. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, who in the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So powers in heavenly places... We, and we are even being observed by angels even now. 1 Timothy 5.21 says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels. Sorry, Tim. I'm going too fast. <laughs> I, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou, may, that thou observe these things without preferring one another before another, doing nothing by partiality. The next aspect um, is preached unto the Gentiles. Now, you might say, well, we don't preach the body of Christ to the Gentiles. But 
in a way we do. Uh, remember the passage we read, uh, our commission is that we are to make all men see what is the fellowship of this mystery. That is really more of our commission than go into all the world teaching the nations. Because the fellowship, the mystery, the body of Christ is how the world is to be saved. Being united with Christ, being declared righteous, receiving the righteousness that's revealed apart from the works of the law, by faith alone in Christ alone, that happens by our being united with, with Christ. And that's how we are entrance into the body of Christ. If you're not a member of the body of Christ today, you are not saved. You are not going to heaven. That is the only way that God is working in the world today and has been since the Apostle Paul. But um, preached unto the Gentiles, it's Christ, it's Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. Um, we should probably read this one, Romans 16, 25. That's, that's basically the reference that, say we, that, that says he preaches Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. Just that, that's what it says. Um, uh, so in Acts 10 and 11, the Lord did show Peter that, that he was doing something new. So this is the first time. Uh, in Acts 15, Peter, James, and John, uh, also in Galatians 2 at the, at the Jerusalem Council, they recognize that um, Paul's commission to take the gospel to the Gentiles, and they commended him, they gave him the right hand of fellowship, and they recognized that Paul was entrusted with the gospel of the uncircumcision. That is the, grace, the gospel of the grace of God. And the 12, and, and specifically Peter, James, and John, they never abandoned their directive to preach the gospel of the kingdom. They didn't preach the gospel of the grace of God. Now, Paul, later in 2 Peter, uh, Peter uh, refers to Paul the things that he speaks of which are hard to understand. Eventually, they got it, but it didn't change their, their ministry or their mission. Um, Acts 26, Paul's ministry from the Lord is to preach unto the Gentiles. Acts 26, 9, 18. We don't have to go to all these. Uh, Romans 11, 13, for I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. That's Romans 11, 13. Uh, Romans 15, 15 and 16. Says this. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Second uh, Timothy 1, 10 and 11. Okay. But now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who have abolished death and have brought life and mortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. One more, uh, one more, uh, Ephesians 3.8. I actually had about 100 pages. I whittled it down to 12. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Ephesians 3.8 says, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, unsearchable means that you can't go into the 
prophetic books, the Old Testament, and find these things. These are things that were committed to Paul. The next aspect is believed on in the world. Um, Acts 13, 38 to 39. Be it known unto you before men and brethren that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Um, Acts 13, 46 to 49. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it is it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it far from you and judge yourselves unworthy of, of ever speaking to the Jews, Gentiles, for so hath the Lord commanded of the Gentiles, thou should be, uh, shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. Verse 49. <clears throat> and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. So we're just talking about believed on in the world and how it pertains to the grace message, the mystery. Acts 14 and 17, I'll just clip along here. It's about Iconium and, and uh, speaking to the, both Jews and the Greeks. 17 to the devout Greeks, um, verse 21 to Iconium, Antioch. Um, and when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So actually you have Thessalonica, Athens, Asia, and Acts 28, 28 says this, um, there's too many to, uh, Tim, I, I'm sorry to throw all these at you. I, the, the, um, Acts 28, 28 says, Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and they will hear it. Thanks. So, um, one more. Romans 1, 3 through 8. I'll wait until you get to this one. It's a longer one. the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead faith among all nations for his name whom are also the call of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome beloved of God called to be saints grace to you and peace from God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. For I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Remember, that's what we're talking about, believed on in the world. Um, the last one is received up into glory. I'll just read a couple of these. Um, Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Christ, who is our life. This is a promise to us, members of the body of Christ. Ephesians 2, 4-6. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, 
even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now you know a lot of these passages, everything that concerns us is in the past tense. And that shouldn't concern you. Actually, that's a note of comfort. Um, because as God sees us, he sees us in Christ, and he sees us complete in Christ. And there's other statements, uh, many in the Scripture, referring to us as members of the body of Christ. It's a done deal in the eyes of God because we are in Christ Jesus. It's not about our right, it's not about our, uh, um, our conduct. It's who we are in Christ. So look at just a couple examples of that. 30. Romans 8.30. Thank you. Them, he, they're short. So, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. You notice the, the finished uh, tense of those verbs. It's the past. It's a completed action. And, and are we glorified? I think right now we're not, but in Christ we are. <laughs> I don't want to get that one right. Um, and then Colossians 3.3, 3, I've already mentioned this, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. It's a present reality. Um, look at Colossians 2.12. Um, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead, if ye be risen with Christ. Again, Colossians 2.10, you are complete in him. So you see all the, this, this language is fitting as God sees us. It, it's all in the past tense. So in, in Christ, we are received up to glory. And, and you know, Colossians tells us we're, that's where we're seated, or where, where Christ is seated. We're seated with him also. Um, you know, we look forward to um, the redemption of the purchased possession because, you know, God owns us. He owns our bodies. And soon, our bodies will be redeemed because that's a promise, and that's how God sees us. He sees us complete and already um, received up into glory in God's economy. So let's, defi let's define a couple things about the mystery of godliness, because really what I want you to see, thanks for bearing with me through that study. It's a lot of verses, but we, we really want to find some application here. So when you hear the phrase godliness, you know, what do, what do you usually think of? You think of um, one who is religious, maybe, uh, someone who lives according to the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, or someone who lives by the golden rule. You know, so godliness is defined as being pious, having reverence towards God, or personal holiness, or godlike conduct. Now there's one, men the first mention of the, the word godliness in, in the Scripture, in the New Testament, is in Acts 3.12. And it's kind of interesting the way it's used there, and I think that shows us how we really are to understand this idea of godliness. It's when Peter had healed the lame man, 
and it's in Acts 3.12. When Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this, or why ye look so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness, that's the same word for godliness, that we made this man to walk. So, in the the context, godliness can be referred to as a power or holiness that comes from God, not our own. So, even though the context of 1 Timothy has to do with how we are to conduct ourselves in in the church of God, the assembly of believers, the mystery of godliness is not about our own righteous behavior, but it's about Christ in us, as we read before. So, it's not about our character, but it's about our standing. It's about our identity in Christ. It's imputed righteousness. And it's, it's being justified by the faith of Jesus Christ, the faithfulness of Jesus, the life that he lived, the, what he accomplished um, is transferred into our account. And uh, so godliness is, is produced by our spiritual union with Christ. And uh, this happens by being baptized or placed into Christ, um, the body, by the Holy Spirit. So, you know, Christ is not a mystery. You, you can study about Christ in the Old Testament. Neither is the gospel. Uh, uh, Corinthians 15 says that Jesus uh, was buried. He died uh, for our sins according to Scripture. He was buried and rose again the third day according to Scripture. So the gospel is not actually a mystery. Um, God blessing the Gentiles is not a mystery. Uh, You find that going all the way back um, to the prophets, to Abraham. Uh, Iniquity is not a mystery, but that's one of the mysteries. Sin is, is not, wickedness is not a mystery. Godliness itself is not a mystery. But what is a mystery is being members of one body, Gentiles and Jews participating in one body called the body of Christ. Um, it's, the body of Christ is central to the mystery doctrine revealed to Paul during the dispensation of grace. So the mystery of godliness is righteousness, but it's based in the person and finished work of Jesus Christ in you, the church, the body of Christ. So, another study for another time is who are we in Christ, uh, in him, or Christ in us. I'm just going to give you a quick short list, no verses, Tim. Uh, being, uh, Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have access. We are accepted in the beloved. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. These are descriptions of us as the body of Christ. What, what a position to have. Um, you know, another way to understand the mystery of godliness is to consider the mystery of, iniqu- the mystery of iniquity. <clears throat> that would be the mystery of lawlessness, unrighteousness, wickedness, or sin. And according to Paul, this has been operational since he received the message of the mystery, the mystery doctrine. It's been going on ever since Paul was still on the earth. And, um, and we know that because of his, his words that uh, in 2 Timothy, he says that all of those in Asia have forsaken me 
in reference to his teaching, his doctrine. So the mystery teaching, the, the teaching about the body of Christ, the teaching about um, uh, salvation, uh, righteousness that's apart from the works of the law, that's been under attack for 2,000 years. So as we, that's another way to understand the mystery of godliness is to look at the antithesis of the mystery of, of uh, or the mystery of iniquity to look at the, uh, is the antithesis of the mystery of godliness. Um, <clears throat> it's diametrically, diametrically opposed to the mystery of God's will and um, everything God is doing today. So um, again, when we see this, uh, the conflict that's going on and all the strife, um, have you ever wondered why there are so many denominations in the world? I mean, those who claim to be, uh, those who claim the name of the Lord Jesus, there, I, there, there are just so many denominations that, that um, divide the body. And this is not how it was supposed to be. The body of Christ was not supposed to be. But remember, it started very early on. Paul in Corinthians said, you say I'm of Peter, Cephas, and I'm of Paul, and I'm of Apollos. The, the, the enemy saw, once the body of Christ was revealed, the enemy saw it. And the enemy shifted his focus and his um, resources. And that's why there are so many denominations today. And most of them miss this, the things we're talking about. Most of them think that we have some form of covenant theology, some, some form we're, that we're spiritual Israel. Um, some of them think that, that the kingdom is now and that we are supposed to be teaching the nations and that we're supposed to be ushering in the, the kingdom of heaven on the earth. If you look at most teaching, that's, that's what you'll find. Um, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a mistake. It's not an accident. It's, it's related to the mystery of iniquity. Um, and you could, you could apply that to why there are so many Christian cults. You know, the Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, um, Seventh-day Adventists. Yes, they are cult. <clears throat> um, but uh, they get it wrong. They, they, have, they are ignorant of this mystery. They don't see how, how crucial this is, the dispensation of grace. And that's why you have such a corrupt gospel. Uh, very few uh, organizations preach and teach the grace message that it's faith alone in Christ alone, apart from works, apart from anything. Um, if, you know, in fact... If, if you claim to be a believer and you're part of these groups and, and you, you fail to recognize the distinct calling and, and stewardship given to Paul, whether it's in ignorance or whether it's deliberate, because there are those who deliberately impugn the message and, and, and shield and resist the truth of this doctrine because it doesn't go along with their, their conceits, is, is how Paul puts it. Um, you need to know that you're working in concert with the mystery of iniquity. You're participating in spiritual wickedness in high places. So it's not a small thing. A lot of times, oh, well, they have their differences. This is a different theology, Reform, Covenant, Calvin, Arminian. How many are there? Are there? There's so many. Uh, the whole Word of Faith movement, you know. They're participating in the mystery of iniquity because they are resisting these truths, and these truths are so cr critical to our salvation. 
So, to wrap it up, how are we to understand the mystery of godliness and how it pertains to us? In time past, God was building a nation, Israel. According to prophecy, there were signs and wonders, promises of land, descendants, a kingdom on earth. But then God called Saul of Tarsus and he gave him special revelation, the mystery, hidden in God according to God's eternal purposes. It wasn't plan B. It was actually part of the workings before. It was plan A. What we're involved in today is plan A. Um, And Paul is the steward of the mysteries of of Christ, plural. All the aspects of the mystery are related to what God is doing during the dispensation of grace. So from then up until today, the gospel of grace of God has appeared to all men. So God is building the body of Christ. um, And he's building the body of Christ to inhabit heavenly places. So God is manifesting the world today through his body, the church of the living God. This was the great mystery. And the scripture says, had the princes of this world known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Because this is a game changer, you know. Um, So Christ is the head of this body. Ephesians 1, 19 to uh, 23 says this, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world which is to come. And he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth in all. Now, you know, there's a reference and an analogy that our relationship to the head as his body is like a marriage relationship. And that doesn't mean that we're the bride of Christ. It's an analogy, but the relationship is that close. The, the man and woman are one flesh, and in the same way, we as the body of Christ are that connected with the head, Jesus himself. And um, we are one new man, the scripture talks about. So we're not the bride of Christ. We are one new man. We're part of the bridegroom. Uh, a couple more scriptures here. Uh, Colossians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says just this. Um, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. Philippians 3, 9. And be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. (coughs) Righteousness. Are all the children, Galatians 3.26, you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So to wrap this up, the first thing I would do, if you're here today and you are not in the body of Christ, I want to put out a call to membership. If you're not in the body of Christ, you, are con- you stand condemned in your own sin and unbelief. And one day you will have to stand before a righteous, holy God, and you will not have <clears throat> the payment. You will not have the blood sacrifice on your behalf. And unfortunately, the consequence of that is there's consequences to unbelief 
because then you're rejecting the finished work of Christ. So the call is to believe the gospel, that Jesus died for your sin, he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scripture. This is the gospel of your salvation, and it's so simple. God has made it simple because he did all the work, and he simply just wants you to, to trust in that finished work, trust in the payment that was made on your behalf, trust in the righteousness of the, of the Son of God who became sin for us, that's an incredible passage of Scripture. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. That happens through faith, apart from any works. There's nothing that you need to do. There's no, I have decided to follow Jesus. There's no making him Lord of your life. There's no saying the sinner's prayer. This is simply just believing, trusting. Faith is not a work, as the Scripture is very clear about that. And that's what's required. What is required is simply trusting, being fully persuaded in God's promise of eternal life. And God has demonstrated that, that he has made the payment and it's acceptable by raising him from the dead the third day. <clears throat> so that's a call to membership because if you're not in the body of Christ, you're outside. <clears throat> There's no other way. Jesus is the only way. Now, I have a call to those the members here of the body of Christ. And the call is to be the body of Christ. How often we live our lives, myself, I'm speaking to, we don't live in this reality of being the body of Christ. We live our lives according to the flesh. Most of the time, do we not? I mean, it's just part of it. It's just part of it. But what a shame. What a shame to miss out on who we are in Christ. Not just for, it's a shame. We, we, we shamefully represent God the Father by not recognizing who we are, excuse me, <clears throat> who we are in Christ. And we, we live our journey here. We're all guilty of this. We live our lives outside of these truths. And so we're not very effective. And, and, and we're not where we need to be. So the call is to be the body of Christ. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. So we are the earthly dwelling of Christ. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. We have forgiveness through His blood. Our destiny is to be raised from the dead with a new body that's fit for eternal blessings and residence in heaven. Don't get distracted by this world. It's so easy. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's the fight. You know, Paul said he's fought the good fight. That's the fight. We're all in it, and we're here together to encourage one another, edify one another, to have unity in these things. Ephesians 4, 3 and 6, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, 
There's one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and that has nothing to do with water. It's a spiritual baptism. And it's essential because it's by the power of the Spirit that we are placed upon faith into the body of Christ. Um, One God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. So brothers and sisters this morning, I'm just calling you to live in the light of these truths. Um, I'm going to finish, I'm going to pass some things up here. Just a couple of scriptures I'm just going to read. Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. <clears throat> so there's a call to a renewed vision and purpose that I put out today to you. Brothers and sisters, we're not our own. We're bought with a price. Glorify God in your mortal bodies. You are an ambassador of Christ. You represent God on the earth. You know, you ask, how is God operating today? You, us. During the time, we have the words of eternal life. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have the word of reconciliation. And we are the method. So God is manifest in the flesh, in his body. Could you all stand and read this scripture with me? I never cry. My, my wife will tell you, 40 years, I, I, I just never cry. I don't know what, what to say. So Galatians 2.20, let's read it together. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Remain standing. I'm going to read three verses, and and then we'll close. Just listen to these words. 1 Thessalonians 2.19, For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? 1 Thessalonians 1.12, That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 3.13 To the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, God, we just stand here before you with all thanksgiving, Lord. We appreciate your kindness toward us, your love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, we're here because of your operation, your power, your initiative. Lord, we just responded by faith.
<clears throat> you did all the work. And we find ourselves, not many noble, not many wise, but we find ourselves in the body of Christ, Lord. And we want to walk in that position. I pray that you would give us throughout the week, Lord, direction and, um, and work in us, Lord, as we commit, Lord, to just walking by the Spirit and um, so fulfilling the ministry that you have for each one of us. And it's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Amen. Dismissed. <laughs>